Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler, buddy. We're here on a Wednesday night. How you feeling tonight, man? Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Feeling good, man. Excited about this episode, dude. Super yeah, this one, excited. This one's been one that's been uh, been cooking for a while. Cooking for, what, about five, six weeks? Yeah. You guys yeah, we started been talking about it about five weeks, yeah. It's pretty sweet. You guys got me kind of hyped last night when we chatted about 20 minutes about some of the things y'all are seeing and what y'all are expecting. So I can't wait for this episode, man. And let's not even let's not even wait. Let's go ahead. Let's bring on our friend, Coach Robbie Compton. What's, What's up, up Robbie? How you doing, man? Hanging in there, man. Where are you, dude? I am I am in my in my office in the field house at the high school that I coach at in uh, North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Right in the hole, baby. Right in the hole of the ship. <laughs> <laughs> the North Wilkesboro Vikings there. I mean, this is truly this is truly gonna be chalk talk then. Like you're in the element where I'm oh, man, I, a ton of the stuff. I got I got I got whiteboards, I got everything I need, baby. We can draw it up, we can do what you need. Hell yeah. I got some equipment. We can dress it up and knock it out if we have to. <laughs> Find you a couple bodies around there. Give us a little demo. Yeah, let's let's do some yeah. wide screen technique. Some technique. I, I hope my kids are at home either doing homework or going to bed. But, uh, <laughs> Good deal, man. I'm, well, I'm trying to stay up as long as I can. I got to get a tooth pulled in the morning, so I want to be as tired as possible. Oh my! I don't blame you. All that, yeah, that, <laughs> find an abscess tooth right there. So yeah. Um, so we'll stay as we'll we will prolong this episode as long as you can, so we can send you to bed late, get you up early. All right, so guys, what we're gonna be doing here about two months ago after Brent Pryor was hired, um, Brian obviously has an offensive knack for the game. He played offensive line, as did Robbie, but Robbie, ever since he's pretty much been coaching, has primarily focused on defense. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was. Robbie took a look at Brent Pry's defense, obviously something you were already familiar with because of who he was, where he plays. A little bit. Robbie looked – Brian looked at Tyler Bowen's offense um, from the Fordham days, looking at a little Joe Moorhead. So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to dive into this, and we're going to start with the defensive side of the ball. So, Robbie, let's start with this. Give me some ideas of what type of schemes – Brent Pry or Chris Marr. We'll give Chris Marr a shout out because he is the defensive coordinator in name. Um, we just get a feel it's going to be a lot of Brent Pry handprints on this defense this year. What kind of scheme are we looking at here? I'm gonna um, be honest with you, looking at it, reading a lot of things, trying to figure some stuff out. I know um, I've got a lot of influence from from Bud Foster. And I, I've done a lot of things in my coaching career, looking at a lot of things that he does from his 4-4, his original 4-4, and how he adapted so many different things. Um, and the, the the big thing you'll notice with Brent Pry is he was a GA at Virginia Tech when when Coach Foster started a lot of that, a lot of his original 4-4. And um, – he, Coach Foster got a, a little bit into the 4-3, away from the 4-4, giving a little bit. He always had that hybrid-type player moved around. 
He can still use some of the same principles. And then as the game adapted, offenses started spreading out more, things like that. You went more to a 4-2. Well, as we all know, we had, you know, Coach Hamilton come in at Virginia Tech. He had that same um, Bud Foster uh, flavor to it. Yeah. But he was, he was much later in the in the career. Okay, so he had a lot of influence from the later 4-2 principles. I think with Coach Pry, you're going to see a lot more of the a lot more of the original. Okay. Uh, four three. It, it's going to be very aggressive. It's going to be um, – you're going to have three true linebackers. Now, you may see them align differently, and it looks more like a 4-2, but the way, the way they're going to align, we'll see later. I'll show you a couple of things later. The alignment is going to look more like a 4-2. They're still going to play with a lot of 4-3 principles. And you're going to see that from position group to position group that, that, that that's really going to play true. And the reason I talk so much about Coach Pry's part in it is you do have Chris Marv, who's the defensive coordinator. Okay? Marv played under Brent Pry at Vanderbilt. Yep. When Vanderbilt – when uh, Coach Pry was the defensive coordinator under Franklin, who's now at Penn State, where he just came from. They traveled together. Um, Marv has, has – I think has stuck a lot to those same roots, a lot to what he was taught there. And in a game of football, when it comes to defense, there's – it's not so much a selfishness, but what it comes down to is Marv, is gonna, Marv knows that he played under Pry, and he knows exactly what he expects. Pry's going to have a hard time giving up that play calling after doing it for so many years. Yep. Pry knows that it's his job, you know – when the game, when it comes down to it, if the whole team isn't successful, they don't come and look at the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and say, well, you guys are what happened. They go to the head coach. So he's going to keep his hands on those things. And Marv is a good enough coach and good enough. He's played in the system. He knows what is going to expect. And you can, I think you're going to see that that recruiting group with, Coach Pry being a GA early on, and you got a, a certain defensive line coach, Coach <laughs> Price, who was a player at that time, who's been through that system. Marv was taught that system as Pry was teaching it. You've yeah. got a safeties coach in Pearson Prelude who played in that system. The system's going to stay pretty consistent to what Pry is used to. And I think Marv's going to tend to work towards that. That that's what I'm thinking. But everything I've read and everything I've looked at, um, you you see a lot of that flavor that that Pride always put out there in what Marv does. Now Marv has some some athletes at Florida State and some other places he had that were a little different that he could do some other things with, and those are adjustments. Every defensive coach in the world should be making some kind of adjustments depending on the personnel they have. So you, you have to take those things into effect. But I think when you really look at it, you're going you're gonna to see that old school, aggressive, uh, you know, filling gaps, getting to the football, attacking football, and going to let the secondary 
They're going to stop the run first. Secondly, they're going to stop the run. Third, they're going to worry about somebody that might run an option and stop that run. And then they're not going to let big plays beat them very deep. I mean, that that's what you're going to see. You're not going to see a lot of a lot. I don't think early, especially early on, you're not going to see a lot of weird coverages and robbers and things of that nature. You're going to see some split coverages. You'll see a cover two on one side and a cover four on the other. Um, but you'll see, I mean, you're going to see the basis of what Virginia Tech remembers is hard-nosed football on the defensive side. That's what I feel like you're going to see. And um, his philosophy is that hard nose, get to the football, fill the gaps, simple, get to the football. I mean, that's his philosophy. That's his. That's what they're going to do. Is it, is it one of everybody's going to buy into that? Is it one of those things where you talk about robbers and different zones? Is he one of those guys where it's I'm keeping it simple because I don't want this to tie up these feet. I want yes. to play fast. Fast. It, it's not going to be. I mean, you're going to get you're going to get some things that are going to, like I said, with personnel that are going to help them that they may be able to do better than other teams and do this and that. But you're not going to get these exotic blitzes and crazy rolling coverages all the way across fields to cover certain things. And in some cases, people doubt, you know, in, in, a, in today's game where offenses run RPOs and things like that, RPOs may give this defense trouble early on. It is what it is because they're going to be focused so hard on shutting down that run. And when when you get when you get that run read, he pops to throw it. You might have a linebacker that's going to have to learn how to slow play a little bit more, instead of attacking full speed. But you're gonna he's going to start finding the, that linebacker that can play down and recover quick. And I mean, you just the personnel is going to make those make those things easier. And I think that's I think that's a lot of where they're headed. And uh, very fast flow team. Uh, you're not going to see a lot of sitting on the heels and and you know waiting to see if it's pass or run. Is we're going to play the run right now? We're going to get you. Is is and that a way somebody can get your, to take care of that? Is is that a way somebody can get their butt benched? Is playing on the heels with Brent Pry? I I expect so, especially <laughs> in the front five or six. <laughs> them, them four linemen, there ain't going to be any more any more half penetration and and widening things out. It's going to be going to get football, buddy. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, be Daryl Tapp and, and that crowd going against us. I mean, you look – if you look at the staff and the people they've hired, they're going back to what Virginia Tech has – and they're bringing the influence in for what Virginia Tech used to be. Prelude, Adibi has been added as an analyst. Yeah. I mean, that kind of football player. I mean, if they could bring back Vic Hall, it'd be a lot. Oh, Vince Hall, it'd be a lot of people crying. <laughs> I mean, you might can still dress those two out and play. I know Coach Tap. I've seen him lately. I know he could dress up. You know. Yeah, you're right about that. You've seen him too. And uh, looking at a DB, it doesn't look like he's far off either. Oh my god! No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And uh, 
it, it's sort of funny because you do have two from the 95 team where when Bud, Bud started that to be in the co-DC and it was slowly built. Um, exactly. But let's get into this. But Robbie, you, you did everything in one great thing. You got scheme. We talked philosophies. We heard tendencies about attacking. Let's start looking at the individual parts. I want to get some ideas. I want to start on the D-line. Let's talk about J.C. Price's group. Let's start with the defensive tackles. All right, what is the base alignment going to look like, like against 11 personnel? You're going to um, – against 11 personnel, you're going to see uh, – and, and it's funny because we were just talking about – I was just having meetings with our middle school coaches, me and, and my head coach here. And, you know, we said, well, 11 personnel. People don't understand that. That's a that's a tight end and a running back. Yep. 11 personnel. You're going to see you're going to see a basic. Um, more than likely, you're going to see a basic. Uh, it, it's a four three, but your Sam backer is going to be a little wider up front. You're going to have a, a two eye to a shade, depending on probably where your where your weakness is on the offensive line. You know, if you've got a if you've got a monster guard that that's killing things, you're not going to shade the center because it's going to give him the angle to take your double team. You're going to move him over and make it harder for that monster to block. All right, so is this going to be both defensive tackles or going to be two shades? No, we're, we're talking about what they would what they would probably call the nose. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Um, he's going to be – I would say he'd probably be in a two-eye to a shade. Depend, if the center is the one that's the, the, the horse for the team, if the guard is, he's going to move around a little bit there. Okay. You're going to see a three-technique opposite in the tackle position. Um, you're going to see more traditional defensive linemen, I think. Okay. I'm talking All right. two downies to three thirties, big boys, and filling holes. I mean, unless you can find a, an Aaron Donald <laughs> who's going to blow that thing up in a three-technique, you're going to get big boys that are filling holes and going after stuff. You're going to you're going to see the return of the the old Tim Settles and the, uh, those type guys, the big guys that can fill the gaps and wreak havoc in there. I I know the last couple of years you've had some little bit smaller guys that were a little more athletic that try to stretch your field up front. We're gonna we're gonna see the return of those those big defensive tackles and, and hard rushing defensive ends. All right, so give me you were kind of hidden on it there with is the defensive tackle run responsibility? Is it just going to be to clog the gaps to essentially make it a two gap, like essentially take uh, the- they're gonna they're gonna penetrate those gaps. Okay. They're gonna get some penetration. They're gonna try to play, they're gonna try to get it, try to get that guy coming up and and catch it from the backside while they're while they're running through gaps. I mean, they're going to be chasing balls down because that guy's going to be trying to get away from everything up front. But they're going to close it in on the ends. You're going to have a five technique with a tight end. You're probably going to have a seven, maybe an eight. He may line up on the inside shoulder to tight end, maybe head up, depending on whether they're counting on that tight end a lot in the pass game. That's what we do. You know, if the tight end's in the pass game a lot, I'm going to put a man in his face, slow him down. He's a blocker. I'm gonna set a guy inside of him, and make sure I got gap responsibility to the outside. Make him block one down. And he can't take care of the guy outside of it. All right. Does that make sense to you? 
Yeah, makes sense. Running five and seven techniques on defensive end, running a, a two shade, a three technique on the line. I'm, if you're out there and you're listening tonight, he's going to have some video and stuff later. Go to Google. You can find where these techniques are and you understand the alignment Robbie's talking about here. Um, I'm going to go back to defensive tackles real quick. You talked about what they're going to do in the run game. What are we going to see from them in like a pass rush game? What, what are they are going to be? Are they going to stun? Is it going to be slants? Are we because that's stuff we remember from Bud. Um, defensive tackles slanting a lot. You, you're going to see. You're going to see a lot of movement. You're going to see a lot of slanting. There may be some twists and stuff, but I think early on you're going to see a lot of. Um, you're going to see a lot of basic slanting, not a lot of twisting, not a lot of crossing early on, because. You, they're going to want to be gap responsible. Mm-hmm. Okay. When you start to twist into things like that, linemen start moving and exchanging blocks. Linemen start pulling on twists. You start to lose gap responsibility in places. I, I don't think you're going to see a lot of that early on. Um, I've got one, if you want to pull it up, Brian, here. The um, personnel here. I think is what's going to be a basic look for them. And you see here, there's a lot of slanting into the gaps. They're taking away A and B gaps with the with the linemen. And you have the linebackers ready to play through A gap and C gap here. Just gap sound football. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. And the thing is, they're going to play fast. They want to be aggressive. And they want to play quick to the ball. Not anything messing around. And, and wondering if they if if you know a seven and a three start twisting and one guard pulls you lose a gap, you know it leaves things open. You won't have that with a lot of this stuff here. That, that's what I, I mean. This is something that Prize run a lot at Penn State. This was a lot of his base look. And don't be surprised to see them run a lot of base early. I don't expect a lot of different things especially out of the spring, until they can get this base stuff down. And it shouldn't take long because it should be simple. Yeah. I'm going to do a quick shout-out here. This is – Robbie Compton loves Brandon Patterson at Tech Sideline because Robbie didn't have to draw all this stuff up when he read Brandon's article <laughs> and find the video. So, shout-out Brandon Patterson at Tech Sideline. All right, Brian. All right, Robbie, you got it up here. You've already talked about the five and the seven techniques. Give me a little run game responsibility for the ends. Give me a little um, what we're going to see pass rush wise from these guys. The five um, pass rush wise, I mean they're going to go after it now. They're going to be getting after that quarterback. If he if he's if he's spending a lot of time in the back looking for anything downfield, he's going to have a hard time. They're going to come after him. Um, as far as the run game goes, like I said with the with the RPOs and things that teams like to run now, if you look at this particular base formation with the wheel coming around that edge as well, trying to help seal, you're going to get some blitz out of that. But you think that RPO, you know, you've got this boundary corner backing up and you have this X come in on a slant. Well, the wheel's evacuating right there. The slant could be there. But like we said before, We've got a man now coaching safeties who's played in this system, who knows what to do. This safety coming down, he's going to meet it quick. 
you're going to get some catches in here, but you're going to you're not going to get a lot of yards. Hoping for not a lot of yards after the catch. If they so catch it, they're going to pay for it. Yes, <laughs> we're getting we're getting five guys coming to the football and trying to get after the quarterback. Pride, Marv, neither one are afraid to blitz anything. <laughs> you're not going to see. I expect you will see probably 60% of the game that there's at least five people coming after that thing at all times. Damn. All right, let me ask you this. We talked a little bit about the pass game. In the run game, if if they're playing a heavy read option team, um, is the defensive end, are they attacking the mesh point? What are they doing? Are they slow playing it? By the looks of what we've got here, I'm expecting the, the, five, the five and the seven are probably going to be probably going to be attacking the mesh and going after the quarterback. Okay. <laughs> They're going after that point. I'm thinking that the free safety coming down to help, and this Sam that's split wider, who's playing this hook to curl in the pass, he's going to be he's going to be a blitzer sometimes out of this area. He's going to be the guy going after that pitch man. So, Can I, let me ask this, Robbie, about you talk about. Brian asked about the mesh point, and you say hit the quarterback. You think this is just a philosophy thing from Pry that says, don't worry about the running back. We've got guys behind you that can clean that up. Make that yeah. quarterback think every time he touches the ball and it's a read, I'm going to hit you. I don't care if you give it to the running back. I'm going to pop your ass. Well, it's a it's it's an option. It's an option-focused thing. Yep. We tell our players all the time, I got a certain player every play. If you've got a certain gap, you've got the quarterback and an option. And they'll ask me all the time, well, if it's not an option, what do I have? Well, you still make your line at that quarterback at that mesh point just in case he comes out and runs. Because if he comes out and runs, as far as I'm concerned, it's just like he's running an option. Yeah. It's also about forcing that predictable outcome, right? So if if you're running at the mesh point, more than likely that's going to – if the quarterback is reading properly, he's going to give, and giving yeah. creates a little more predictable outcome in how your defense is aligned. And if if we if we force him to give it because he don't want to get popped from that guy coming in at it, then I've got three other guys outside of that mesh point that are there to make the play on that ball anyway. Yep. So I've forced them into exactly what I wanted, but I've got myself covered if if he pulls it. Good deal. So, I mean, it's 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 going to be back to a lot, and the front end's not a lot different than what they've been doing. But we haven't seen Virginia Tech play that option look, the triple option look, and stuff like that, like they used to play every year in Georgia Tech yeah. and things like that in the last couple of years. Georgia Tech's kind of gotten away from it. Their uh, their coach is right out here with us right now. He's helping a local high school out here in Western North Carolina. <laughs> is it is Paul Johnson really doing that? Paul Johnson is in eight. He lives in Avery County, which is up the mountain here. And uh, are you gonna have to play him next year? Him a little bit. Are you having to play him next year? No, we scrimmaged <laughs> him at the beginning of this year. They they run a spread look, but they'll run a they'll run an option on it. And they're pretty good at. It. They're running a spread look. They're not running the the flex bone. Um, they'll run. A, they'll bring the they'll bring the slot in motion. 
and arc him around the back, and they'll run a dive option out of that. Okay, so they're still giving yeah. the same type of look, just in a different yeah. different formation. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're pretty good at the option, believe it or not. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> All right, let's jump into this, uh, Robbie, because you've already mentioned Will, Mike, Sam. Let's talk about the linebacker group a little bit. And luckily, you've got this up here. Is this going to be kind of the look we see all the time with that Sam far out, or is the Sam more of a movable piece in this? If you ask me, just judging the way he's done so many things, and Marv's done some of the same things, your Sam is going to be, to a typical coach, Sam backer is your strong backer. He's standing beside the mic. He's playing strong inside against the run. In this particular scheme, it's a little different. That Sam is going to play to the wide side of the field. He's going to be the athletic guy. He's going to be the one that they can play out wider. He can blitz from wide and still get there. He can play the hook to curl, which is what I call hot two. He can play a zone there and still recover like for an RPO. If fake the run, he comes down, he can get back. They're going to be that kind of guy. Um, a good prototype for that, if you really look, you go back to to some of his Penn State stuff and Michael Parsons. The, the guy's a cowboy. I can't stand the fact that he's a cowboy. <laughs> that is a phenomenal football player. And he can play, he can play any, any of the three positions on the field. But he's athletic enough to play coverage, to play the run, and play both at the same time kind of if he needs to. That's the kind of guy that they're going to look for at that Sam spot. So what what just recently happened with Tech in the last, I guess, two or three weeks is they moved two kids who were in the secondary. They were out of Salem, the McDonald twins. What are they, 6'3", 6'4", Brian, about 220? Yeah. Yeah, pretty athletic kids, long and lean, and they were expected to be like playing safety or maybe even playing corner based on their size. But Pry has immediately moved them. Is, does that shock you, based Same on what you see with him wanting to do with like the Sam with the that position? Um, that's possible. But the the thing is, they could also be, they could also fit in the wheel position the way they run it, because the wheel backer. Is not your typical run stuffer kind of guy either. He's athletic. He's um, he's going to be able to play some coverage, but he's going to be he's going to be a, a blitzer. He's going to be a guy running around the edge. He's going to be a more of a hybrid defensive end linebacker type guy. Okay, I mean. So you can see those guys. You said they're twins. There's two of them. There's two of them. So there could be one on each side. Okay. They could be training one for each. I mean, you know, the only thing I feel 100% confident about is that Mike player is I can tell you who it's going to be. Uh-oh. And he's going to wear number four. <laughs> and he is going to crush. Things. I've been watching this kid. I've been coaching in North Carolina for 11 years now. People in North Carolina know who Dax Holyfield is. And this is um, this is a system that was made for him. It's why he came yes. wanted to play in Bud's system. He plays for a couple of years. Bud leaves. 
he does not have the best two years in ham system. I'm assuming because of the difference in responsibilities for the Mike for ham versus. Yes. Mike it's, it's a guy that played out of position in bud system, the two years he was in it. And then he's played. Yeah. And then now he, you know, didn't really find a good fit in, in ham system. Yep. We're finally probably going to get a look at what, what essentially the, uh, the, the maximal version of, of Dax Hollyfield might look I, I think, like. I think Dax, Dax could play from the, the sevens in cha- inside butt cheek to the fives outside butt cheek and make any play that tries to come in there. He can cover it. I mean, he's he's a downhill attack thing football player. And is that he, what the mic is in this system? Yes. Downfield attack versus? Downfield attack. Now, he's going to have some coverage responsibilities. And, and, you know, things aren't going to cross his face in the middle. He's going to be – he's going to remind you of those old school linebackers that they had in there. I mean, he, Dax Holyfield can can make an NFL payday this year with a great season at that mic position, in my opinion. Okay. And he, he's going to – I think he's going to redeem himself, and he's going to be – He's the guy that I feel confident is going to make the rest of this work with these linebackers. Okay. Like I said, I don't know a lot about their defensive linemen and who's back and who's coming back and who fits where, but I know Dax Holyfield, and I know that's going to that's going to play well for them. Let, now, let they me ask. Can wins and split them. I know they've got a couple of good recruits from out here in this area. Um, the Gosnell kid that. Yep had played right here in our backyard for a couple of years at, at Surrey County. Now he's at Carroll County in Virginia. Um, his whole family moved up there. That kid, he, he could be a, he could be a Sam guy. He could be a defensive end guy. I don't know what their plan is with him. He could he's be a tight end. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's played, he played on both sides of the ball. He played a couple different positions on defense. Oh, yeah, line, um, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, yeah. uh, defensive end, tight end, running back. You name it, that kid's played it. So let, let's talk about another player that I know we've we've kind of talked about a lot on here and we talked about a little bit with you. Uh, let's talk about Alan Tisdale. Uh, is he somebody you think that can be that kind of Sam-type uh, backer in this new system? I, I think he – I think looking at it, he may be their – he may be the – the most prototypical of what they have right now. Okay. But like we've said, he's had some up and downs, but he's played in multiple different systems. He come in looking at Bud Foster's system and they had him in places and moved him around. Then they switched to Hamilton's system and he may have been out of position and, and moving around some inconsistencies. Some of those may have come from just the different positions and the different types of defenses they were playing. Okay. And you combine that with with some mistakes and, and some inconsistencies in other positions, and it makes everybody look bad. Yeah. When everybody's playing well, everybody looks good. <laughs> Sometimes when one person plays bad, then nobody looks good. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it's as bad as that. I mean, it could have been, you know, the safety could have been having a bad game. Linebackers may have been in a good position, but they look bad because the safety wasn't where they were. Uh, we we talked about it here all the time. If if uh, safety's bad on a fill and it, 
everybody else could be doing everything perfect, but now you got a 30, 40 yard gain on the run. <laughs> I mean, the worst thing in the world a football player can do is try to play two positions at one time. Okay, I'm playing my position, but I know this guy's not doing what he's supposed to do. Then you try to fill that, you take away from yours, then both of you are off. Yep. I mean, but I, I think I think it's an opportunity he can really redeem himself. I think he can, and I think he could play Will. I think he could play either one of those spots. But I think just by looking at coming back, what's coming back there, he probably fits that mold more than more than others. Okay. And I and I say that because I coach linebackers, so I I see I've seen more of their linebackers and things. That's why I'm not quite as you know up to date on the on who's coming back, who's playing with, with the other positions because I see a lot of linebacker stuff. I, I use a lot of that stuff on a daily basis. So you talked about Will a little bit. Uh, let's talk about uh, that one one other uh, backer in that group, uh, Keyshawn Artis. Uh, is he going to be a guy that you think could also fill in at Will? I know he's got a little bit of a heavier shoulder than than Tisdale, um, so might be a little bit better against the run in those responsibilities. I, I think about I think I think Tisdale, in my opinion, looking at the way they do things, I think I would start with Tisdale at the Will, uh, Holyfield and Mike. And um, I mean, artists at the wheel, Holyfield at the mic, and Tisdale at, at the Sam, just because I think Tisdale's a little bit more of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's going to be better to, to to mix it back and forth. And artists is going to be artists is going to be a guy that can that can really help and support things cutting back, really filling it on the backside. He can blitz off rounded edge. I mean, I really think he's. He fits there of those three guys that are coming back that they can that they can count on. Can I can I say some or, or ask something else, Robbie? Because you mentioned this yesterday. We didn't see all three of those guys on the field a lot in Jay Ham's system. But yeah. something you said yesterday about Brent Pry is he maximizes who's on the field. He yes. would rather have his three best linebackers than well. Here's my best fit for Mike. Here's my best fit for Will. Here's my best fit for Sam. It's like, no, screw that. These are my three best linebackers. They're going to be on the field. Yeah. They he he's very much a uh we can get the best out of things with what's on the field rather than changing a lot of things around. Okay. You're going to get teams that are going to go out there. They're not going to have the tight end. They're going to be in a spread. And we might need a nickel set. Okay. You're going to start to look at, can we get that out of the Sam and cover that that hook-to-curl area and keep our safety um, a little deeper to help us there and keep the wheel covering the edge rather than switching out a nickel and doing that. Okay. But one thing you will see from what I've seen is when they go to a nickel, the Sam or wheel that comes out, the – Nickel is going to go into the corner, and their best corner is probably going to go in on the slot. Okay, it sounds weird, but I think what they're doing is nine times out of ten, you're going to find the most athletic receiver is probably going to be in slot. Your deeper guys are, are set by boundaries; they're more possession type guys or blow the roof off of things. So they're not, you know, they're running the outs and the, the verticals and the things like that. 
the slot receivers are the guys running the 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 comebacks and the pigtails and the curly cues or whatever the hell you want to call it. All these crazy little routes that they come up with now. <laughs> and you gotta have you put that best corner on that guy, he's not gonna get away from that stuff as much. Okay. All right. Well so, that- I mean, but yeah, you're gonna see a lot of three linebacker sets. Good deal. You're not gonna see him change a lot of personnel. A lot of now you'll see some defensive line rotation because he you're gonna be penetrating so much. These guys yeah. are gonna be moving and running. And it's so- 300, 310 pounds. You know, three or four plays, we got to get some more out there and keep that going. That's the big thing that's not changing uh, from what we saw in Jay Ham's system to what we're seeing with Prize, yeah. that they're going to be rotating defensive linemen at a regular basis. We're probably going to need at least 10 deep at D-line uh, guys that are going to see significant snaps in a given game. I would I would say so. Good deal. You mentioned it already, so let's, let's, let's kind of – let's drift to the back end there in the secondary. First of all – you told us you know Derek Jones, the cornerback's coach. I, I uh, Coach Jones and I have have had some conversations a few times. He spent he was at Duke for a while. Yeah, um, we had a few players while I was in at, at Rose and Greenville that uh, Duke recruited pretty hard. Um, so, uh, a particular wide receiver, maybe a defensive lineman, a couple other guys. Um, we had some other guys that they recruited too. Because we had some, I mean, we had some very intelligent young men too. That they they did some some walk on stuff with. Um, we never got anybody to Duke, but I mean, he was always a great one to deal with, great one to talk to. Um, I'm glad to have him on our side now. He's uh, he's a he's a phenomenal DB coach now, and that's one thing back in the heyday. Virginia Tech's best defenses they always had. They always had a great DB coach. Yep. Um, coach Gray was a phenomenal individual. Oh, yeah. When he getting those DBs ready. And I think from knowing Coach Gray and and, and now uh, Coach Cheetah's a lot of that same personality. He's, you know, very positive, upbeat. Um, but but he's, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to be playing. They're going to be ball players. And he's he's gonna have them. He's gonna have those, especially those corners. I think is where he's gonna spend most of his time focusing. Yeah, is those corners. He's strictly corners coach. They're gonna be ready. They're yeah. gonna be football players. You're gonna Virginia Tech's gonna be back to that DBU feel pretty quick. I expect. Good deal. It's all gonna come down to that recruiting part, which is one of his best assets by far. The guy got four stars to Duke. That yeah. in itself, you don't need to say anything else. It's like he got talented <laughs> players to Duke. That's just, yep. Um, l- let me ask this because you talk about him being a phenomenal coach. You know, what are we going to see from this back end on the corner end? Are they zone? Is it a lot of man? Does Pride Marv mix it up? What are you expecting from that? Up. There's going to be a lot of – I think you're going to see some split coverage. You're going to see some cover four to one side, cover two to the other. You're going to have corner and safety. Uh, probably on the boundary side. So you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of boundary corner, field corner, and boundary safety, field safety. Not so, not as much free safety, strong safety because of the way they play their will and sand. 
both of your safeties are going to be able to play deeper, but they're going to be able to come down and play in the mix around the linebacker area as well. Okay. I, now, I would love I would love to see um, the Edmonds kid that, that plays for the Steelers back in this crowd because that that kind of safety is going to be amazing. They could play well in coverage, play like a free safety, but doesn't mind coming down and hitting people as a strong safety. You go back in Virginia Tech's history, you find a lot of those. You find that kind of guy. You look at Cam Chancellor, who could rock anything, but he could play sideline to sideline as a safety. Yep. Pearson Prelude was the same way. I mean, you've got those, you've got that history in safety. And now that guy's coaching those safeties. So, so let me let me ask this. Are, are, I know early in uh in Bud's tenure, um the corners swapped depending on where the where the ball was on the hash. Are the yeah. corners switching side or are they switching responsibilities? I think the corners are gonna I, it's hard to say right off front right up front. In some in some cases with Coach Pry, they've switched responsibilities. In some cases, he's had them switch sides. Marv has been more of a switch responsibility guy and not switch corners as much. Okay. You have this responsibility in the boundary, this responsibility in the field. Gotcha. Both of them had the tendency to flip the safeties. Yeah. A little bit easier. Safety and a a field safety. Yeah. A little bit easier to do on a yeah. without having to run run sideline to sideline, yeah. So that'll give you more of a true strong safety, free safety look. But sometimes they'll they'll leave the safeties and they flop the corners. It's just going to depend. But like I said, you're going to see in a nickel set, they're going to take that best corner and put them on that nickel and bring the number three corner in and put it on the outside receiver. In some cases, so going into the coverage wise. I think you're going to see a lot more zone coverage early, and because of that split coverage concepts that they like to run, it's going to be a lot more split coverage, so a lot more zone, and the zone is going to help them too with the the blitzing packages and playing fast. I'm going to um, ask. A, can I ask a quick question? Kind of a novice yeah. question here. Y'all, you're talking about the safeties moving, kind of. You talked about Terrell Edmonds, where you need do-it-alls. So for the safeties, are you almost looking like there's not going to be a strictly rover strong safety, strictly free safety? You're going to have maybe almost mirror image guys because of what he asked them to do because of how it rotates? Or is it always going to be one guy, maybe 6'2", 205, one guy, 6'3", 200, it's rangier? I I think you're going to – depending on who makes that call. And I think it depends on kind of who, how the recruiting goes. Okay. I think you could see a little bit of both. I think you could, you could see one guy dominant. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to be a group that's going to use what's best available. And if the best available is a long range free safety, you're going to see those safeties flip. You're going to have the field safety and the okay. boundary safety. If you have two guys, that are so much alike and they can do both things, you may not see them flip. You may see them just switch responsibility depending okay. on which side the field is on. Um, 
that's going to be the biggest thing with him. And the best part is with, with, with Coach Prelude is some people are going to doubt him at the beginning because if I'm correct, he's got, what, a year or two coaching experience? High school. He coached down at Radford High School for two years, and he's been player development. Okay. So a lot so, of people, a, a lot of people are they question that hire because he had no real prior college coaching experience. Although the guy played in the NFL close to 14 years for numerous well, teams. I'll tell you what. I watch I, I, I'm a I'm a Washington fan. I, I've been a Virginia Tech fan for a long time. Pearson Prelude has has been heralded. He played at Buffalo. He played in Washington. Those guys heralded him as a leader on the field, as a coach on the field. He always knew what was going on. Two years of high school and one year in a college ranks of coaching, that cat's been coaching a long time. At 14 years in there, I know in Washington towards the end of his career, people talked about how he could, he could guide and set up the secondary and help a lot of young players He's he's been coaching players long before he started coaching. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So he he's going to understand, especially being back in the system that he played in and he knows. He's he's going to be able to provide the insight to what they're seeing, show them the things that he knows that he can see. Okay, we always had I've always had college football players that coach at high school level. And it's the hardest thing in the world to get a college or professional level athlete to coach at a high school level. One thing because they can do things that some kids can't do. Yep. And they have a hard time teaching it to the kids because the kid's not athletic enough to do it. He's going to be at a level now where he's going to be able to show kids that are as athletic as he ever was. And he can get them to do those things. He is in a great situation. So, I mean, with all of those, I think, you know, a lot of it's going to come with they're going to find the best 11 athletes put out there in those positions. And whether you're flipping or changing responsibilities is going to depend a lot on who pans out in those positions is what I feel like. Gotcha. Good deal. Well, Robbie, you got a few of the a few videos there. I know some of them were from Tech Sideline. So, show us a couple that you want to just kind of highlight to say, look for these plays. Like this is going to be a staple or a base. Okay, um, right here. This is from Penn State. Um, you can see their basic alignment you've got to set uh, you've got your your um your five technique over here and your seven which is a little bit wider there's just no tight end you got your wheel dancing in um i think this might be against ohio state yeah it is or last is justin fields at quarterback yep. so you've got a, a phenomenal center and a phenomenal guard you're going to get a big time double team here on this two eye anyway so might as well play him into two eye, get it a little wider, make this center move over to work this double team, possibly give us a hole in here to work with. Um, you can see the wheel walking up, the Sam's out of the picture over here, and then we've got our mic in here. 
um, it's just your base. Okay, you're going to see them get the penetration. You're going to see the wheel drop back in. They didn't get the double team on this side, but you're starting to see here. Now, granted, this is several years into their program. Yeah, they're getting some twist. And as I said, with that twist, if you've got the the two eye and the the end coming in, there leaves this gap here. Okay, this is the thing that that they're going to want to make sure that they're not doing early on. Okay, now they've kind of figured it out. They know that they got two guys that can come in and fill it if Fields takes off. But there was no running back back here to threaten that hole to start with. So Twiston's not hurting them too bad. But you see how the you see how the mic takes on right here in the hole when he drops back and they close it in. Now the end's got to do better about getting across the face to really take away the gap in here to make sure Fields can't take off. Mm-hmm. But he's looking to throw it anyway. So it works out. Now, every defense I've ever coached, every defense that's ever been coached, you're going to have a hole somewhere. You're not going to be able to fill everything. So you got to put it in a place where it's not going to hurt you as much. They're just taking a chance with it there. He didn't send but four there. Um, I think you're going to see five a lot. And that's just you know, their base defensive look. You'll see right here at the end of the clip, you'll see the Sam over here dropping into the hole. They're coming across, the safety's coming down. They're playing deep, but, you know, Ohio State's a team that likes to stretch a field pretty good. And um, so they're going to be playing a little bit deeper. Yep. For for those who are listening to this on the podcast, visit our YouTube site. You can actually see the videos Robbie's describing, pointing it out. Um, is there a blitz on there, Robbie? You can show maybe one of the staple blitzes that we should see this upcoming season. Um, yeah, I can get, well, I've got to go to the other article. One other thing I want to show you, you, you were asking yeah. earlier about the defensive ends and about their rushing and things. Here's one. against Pitt, you'll see the defensive end. He comes in underneath, coming down hard, running right into it. He takes on – this dog on ad is annoying. <laughs> but you'll see him here. He comes in underneath the, uh, the tight end or the tackle here. Yeah. And he takes on the pool – where it should be kicking out, and it gives the Will backer time to come in and attack it. But he gets right off the pool. It has to go around him. Yeah, he makes the hunt. disrupts a lot of things. Yeah, he got underneath the down block and still was able to to wrong arm the puller. That's that's tough stuff to do there. And you talk about that mesh point. Go back just a couple steps. We talked about mesh point earlier. That thing loads. Watch when the number six comes off. Watch right here. He's yep. he's not hesitating. He's going right for the quarterback. He does yep. not break inside until he knows that ball's off. Like so, his ears are down. He's going to hit Kenny Pickett right if that is Kenny Pickett. Yep. He's going to hit. It's got to be Kenny Pickett. Pickett. 
Kenny Pickett played five years. It's got to be Kenny Pickett. Well, watch that. You were talking about Nash. Even though Kenny Pickett is not a threat to run in this situation, it would be more of a play action. Look at his angle. Rob, you talked about it earlier. His angle is aimed at the quarterback. Once he sees it's a run, there's the hump, and he's right there to clean it up. That's right. And I say what I said, tight end to tackle. He's number 77, but he's the third man over. Yep. But he's technically in a tight end position. So we got the seven technique. He's coming underneath it hard, and the wheel is coming over it. So I mean, and the wheel's running, the wheel's running right here, right at the back. This man right here is running right at the quarterback in that mesh point. Yep. And when he sees him, he forces him to hand it. He hits it right in the mouth, and that guy comes right through it. Awesome. So again, go to you go to our YouTube channel, see these. Let's get that blitz one up, Robbie. One more video. And then I've got one more question to ask you before we head to break. One more. Sorry, Brian. You're good. I love your questions, man. You know me. <laughs> let's see, let's see one of those blitzes. And what? We might as well say it's gonna be a two hour episode. Here's if you pull this up, here's some of their coverage looks. This is their simple over cover. Um, it's, a, it's a cover three. Like we said, they have the two safeties, but you're going to see that one safety come down underneath to help out. So you'll have the four underneath and the three deep. Um, and it's just, it's just a simple over cover three. You're going to get one of the safeties. Here it has the boundary safety and the field safety with the corners dropping. The field safety coming down, the boundary safety coming over. This one doesn't have the SAM quite as wide. Sometimes the SAM will be a little bit wider because you got a balance set. You've got the tight end opposite of there. If the tight end's on this side, you're more than likely going to have the SAM a little bit wider with the free safety over top of it. Mm-hmm. And you might get some opposite role there. Um then you got your over cover two, where basically you're you're sending a corner and the safety into coverage and you're dropping five down underneath. But this one, I call, we call it cover six too. They're running a cover two on one side, cover four on the other. So if you really think about it, cover six, four and two. Yep. That makes six. <laughs> we run at my high school, we run we're gonna we're gonna man this guy up on the single receiver side and play the safety over top like a cover one. On the yep. other side, we're gonna play cover four. You can call it quarter half. You can call it cover six. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're they're gonna play. They're gonna leave the man in the flat area here with the corner and, and let him go. It opens a hole for a quick pop through here, but. You know, like I said, everything has a hole. You just you just have to find it. You have to be quick enough to find it in that place. Yep. And when yeah. you talk about aggression, the, the the fact that you're being aggressive means you're you're limiting the time that they have to find those holes. Absolutely. When these four are here, and one of these two guys, if not two of them, are running at your quarterback, you ain't thinking about that hole. You're thinking about the one that you got that's about to be split open or further. <laughs> that ain't fun. There we go. <laughs> That's what I'm working on this year with our guys 
is we have to be able to get more pressure. And that's why we're going to run more of a three, like a stack look, a three-three. So I've got six guys that I know are going to fill holes, but I've got, you know, five linebackers. You don't know which one's coming when. So you, offensive lines in, in high school are not very good. If they do do it, are not very good at dual reading. And so blitzing coming from, you know, one guy coming from this edge and one guy coming from the top over here, yep. it's hard to read them. Somebody's going to get there. The uncovered guy is not good at picking up both reads. Yeah. Now, our head coach, he, he's an offensive line guru. We've got our kids dual reading amazingly. We we gave up in our in our ten games last year. We gave up three sacks in ten games in high school. That's impressive. That should tell you something. That's impressive. Now. We're out of the gun, and we're catching balls, throw the ball. We're not five-step dropping. We're throwing things quick. We're throwing screens, hitches, you know, that kind of thing. We're we're Tom Brady in this thing now. We don't want our quarterback getting hit. <laughs> we're, we're playing teams that are taking five-step drops. I got to get a man down there and make him move around. Okay. So, yep. Um. Some of the blitzes and stuff we see here. Choose um, one. Choose one. Choose one that you like the most, or one you might use this year. This, this I think, is what you're going to see more of. From okay. Coach Pride, Coach Marv, as a five-man blitz. Don't go it. So as you see, you got your. I mean, they're overloaded. The tight ends here, tackles moved over. Doesn't change anything. You still go with your alignment. You had the five technique on the tackle. I mean, on the tight end, keeps him from releasing hard. But it, we're not changing our alignment too much. If you see here, now we went to a shade, and we went to the guy inside here instead of him being that. Um, instead of him being a little wider, he's down inside. He's a tight three instead of being a little bit looser. And we've got the stand-up guy here. Well, we've brought the Sam in a little bit more. Now we've got that four-three, maybe even a a, a, a three-four look. Three-four look. This guy standing up, just because of the way it's blitzing. It's the same personnel though. This is still your wheel. Then you slide these guys over. You get the squeeze inside. You get it coming inside, and you get these guys coming in and around. And Mr. Pickett has a hard time getting away because he's old. Because <laughs> he's been there since Marino left. That's a safety blitz, isn't it? Because 36 um, comes in, right? Watch. He's waiting. 36 comes down. Oh, no, no. That's a linebacker. That's a linebacker. Yeah, 36 replaces the linebacker. Yeah, he replaces Sam. What you have been talking about to us, Robbie, in that situation, they blitzed the linebacker, but the safety was coming down in something you said that some Pearson Prelude did back in the four four days. And You'll it's probably going to happen now. Down. 
as this one comes over to leave that three, that three over the top, and then they'll bring these linebackers. But even here, something told them to drop the wheel here in this situation to cover the hole over there. Probably well, they, because of the way they like to flood, as you can see, with the guy in the back out. Yep. They flooded it, so they tried to take it away quick. They blitzed from the back. Five-man stuff. And then you got you got numbers on that side because they were overloaded exactly. towards the flood. So you got you got too many too many guys to block on that uh tight end side. One more. Your six man blitz. They're probably they're bringing the four, they're bringing the Sam, and they drop the rest of them. And he steps up, but there's nowhere to go because they, they plug your gaps up front. Yep. Stuffing everything in there. And so you got you got pressure coming from both edges. They're plugging and pushing the gap. Yep. Against Michigan. And right there, got him. Yep. Good deal. So, All right. Pressure pressure's gonna be big for him in a lot of situations. Do you think we'll see even more pressure this year being new? I I just, think so. Just just one of those things where it's more attack. Don't don't sweat the back end, don't sweat the coverage, just attack. Yeah. Because they're gonna be so focused on stopping that run. They're gonna be so focused on getting penetration up front and the linebackers coming and filling that it's gonna turn into to pressure situation. When they get to the when they get that pressure, when they get that penetration, then they see a pass. You might see the Sam kind of back back out of it a little bit. But if that wheel is taking off, that wheel's going. He might have to run it down from the back, but he's going to get things because they've already replaced him with that safety coming down. So you're going to see them, those four and five guys, really going after the quarterback. Good deal. Well, Robbie, we appreciate you going over this, diving, looking at tape, reading articles, using your own knowledge of Brent Price system to give us some more info. I'm gonna shout out again, Brandon Patterson over at TSL with those, uh, with the videos, with some of the drawings. I'm sure that made your life a lot easier than having to figure out how the hell I'm gonna draw it. Um, But what we're gonna do right now is we are gonna take a quick break from our digital partners, and we're gonna come back, and it's gonna be the big guy talking about the offense. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All right, Brian. The show is yours, my friend. Let's start and take a look at Tyler Bowen's offense. Let's first of all, let's look at the scheme and the philosophies and the tendencies from your reading and reviewing of tape, what you're seeing from what we should see next year. So so based on everything that I've seen from calling back in Fordham, from calling uh, the Penn State uh, bowl game after Ricky Ronnie left, uh, we're looking at a power smash mouth RPO system. Uh, mostly going to be run out of shotgun. You're going to occasionally see some pistol. Um, use a lot of run to set up the play action, to set up that RPO. 
I like to take shots off the play action versus straight drops. Usually a straight drop is going to be more of an intermediate route as the primary, uh, where if they're targeting deep down the field, it's going to be off those play actions. Um, they do a solid mix of gap and zone blocking concepts, a uh, handful of elements uh, of their offense, but they deploy them a lot of different ways. So you don't have a ton of plays, uh, but you have them deployed out of a lot of different formations, a lot of different looks, uh, and they're they're not very screen heavy. Uh, they are in their arsenal. Um, you'll see them run a handful of times a game. Uh, usually it's going to be something that's like a swing out, sometimes part of a RPO, sometimes just a straight design screen, usually to the running back, sometimes to the tight end, to the slot. Uh, they love to attack the weak side of the formation, both in the run and the pass. Uh, and they do a lot of check with me, but not as exclusively as we saw with uh, Brad Cornelson. Um, it's a little more sporadic. Every play um, check. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not that heavy. It's uh it's definitely a little more sporadic, but uh you know, depending on situation, depending on game flow, um sometimes they'll go with it there. But usually when the, when they're cooking, it, it, it's definitely no huddle hurry up. They're trying to get the play in, get to the line, get it run and keep that tempo moving. Like um Philosophy-wise, are, are, are we looking 50-50? Is this more, you call it a power, say it again, power? Pa- power, smash mouth, RPO. Yeah. Okay. 50-50, I hear power, smash mouth, I think running the ball. Are we going to run the ball more or less? You're definitely going to be north of that 50%. I think you're going to be close to like 55-60. Okay. Uh, but it, it's going to be still fairly balanced. It's not going to be um, – all super, done. yeah. You're not you're not going to see uh, you're not going to see it being you know that 65 70 percent. It's but it's still going to be something that they lean on to set up the rest of their offense. Um, and t- in terms of personnel, I mean, we're looking at a lot of 11 and 12. They'll occasionally go with a with a 20 look. Uh, sometimes split with the quarterback. Sometimes in a go go set with twin running backs, either to the left or the right of the quarterback. Um, usually, um, the tight end is almost always on the field and they're almost always either in a wing or split out flex. They're not in line unless they go trips, the tight end will, will line up in line opposite the trips. Or if they bring in a second tight end, um, when they go kind of an offset, uh, offset look with an H back and an inline tight end. That's really the only time you see the tight end line up in line. Um, how often are we seeing two tight ends? Uh, I'd say about, thir- about 35% of the time you're going to see them in, in two tight end sets. Okay. Um, usually it's going to be one tight end. Uh, like I said, they're either going to be in the wing or, or split out as that number two guy on the trip side. They will go uh, unbalanced trips, so overload, and, and you'll see that look sometimes as well. Uh, usually they like to run out of that, though. All right, good deal. Um, well, let's start here. I got it documented, and if it's, this is the direction I assume you want to go. Yeah. Based on who, who you are. And I also heard you talk about gap or gap and zone. Obviously, they brought Rudolph in. Robbie, when, when, <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, you got your mic off, man. I don't think we can hear you. 
What? There you yeah. go. I can uh, hear you now. I think when we all saw Rudolph as the name. I'm not breathing very well, so I don't need you to hear me snoring while I'm awake. <laughs> when we all heard the Rudolph name, it was like big boy move. I mean. It's like we're going back to running the football. Yeah. So let's not talk just about running it because you're supposed to, but running it for a purpose. Yep. <laughs> Running it to grind somebody down. So, Brian, let's running it with O-line. intention. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's look at the O line. Let's talk with the interior offensive line um, in the run game. What are we looking at with those three guys? Uh, I mean, you're looking at a lot of like, like I said, z- uh, zone and gap scheme concepts. Uh, you need kind of balanced guys in the middle there. Uh, you need a center that's really smart that's going to make those calls, makes those checks. Um, you need guards that are athletic, uh, that can pull, that can uh, deliver a blow on the run, that can uh, block some in space. Um, they're not asked to do a ton of that. Uh, most of the screens even, um, you don't necessarily have linemen leading out on those. But with the amount of pulls that we have, you get, definitely have to have linebackers, uh, linemen, especially guards, uh, that can get around, get up at the second level, block a linebacker. Um, and then do a lot, a lot of, a lot of kickouts. So, um, especially with the, with the, uh, guards there. So, um, you know, occasionally you're going to see, uh, the big thing for the guards, uh, especially when you're pulling on, on some of these RPOs, got to be aware of depth. Um, that, that's one thing I know we've ran some RPO in, uh, corn system. This is a lot heavier. Um, it's RPO probably 65, 70% of the time there's going to be some RPO element out there uh, when there's a run call. Um, So linemen got to be aware of their depth, especially on those gap scheme RPOs where where you got linemen pulling across the formation. All right. What about tackles and run game? What are we looking at there? Cause you know, we did two years ago have one of the better, tackles in the entire country who proved his worth this year um, with the Vikings. What are we looking at tackle-wise doing in the run game? So tackles are going to also need to be a little bit more balanced because the tackles are going to be asked to do a lot more in the pull game as well. So they don't pull quite as much as the guards, uh, but they are pulling a lot. They're kicking. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, wrapping on the uh, – the dart play, uh, the power dart. So there's a lot of different things that they have to do, but they also have to be able to have good bend, be quick to be able to stop those speed rushes and guys that are getting low around the edge. Um, what's the mix that you are seeing between that zone and power? Because I think that's going to be – Wisconsin, to me, did it so beautifully. Like, like – you know, they'd be pulling a guard like on a pin and pull. And then the next thing you know, they're running some zone play where it's like an outside zone. And you're like, A, it's impressive that a coach can teach both techniques and both techniques be really good. But what are you foreseeing with Bowen? I mean, he's got a guy at his disposal where he can – the guy can teach kids how to do it. But what are you – is it going to be a 50-50 or do you think we're going to lean one way or the other? So it looking at the games that Bowen called, he really kind of goes by feel of it and how the defense is handling one or the other. So um, I'll talk about it later, but just an example in the bowl game, 
uh, that against Memphis in the Cotton Bowl in 2019 when he was calling plays. Um, early on, there was a lot of the more gap-oriented calls. Memphis was doing a pretty good job at those. Early second quarter, he started adjusting a lot more of the zone uh, run calls, more success, um, started popping off some big runs with uh, Journey Brown and a couple, uh, was it Noah Kane, had a couple big runs in that game. So, um, you know, he definitely, it, it, it's a flow thing, and he was able to adjust pretty quickly uh, to what Memphis was doing and kind of find a fit in the run game because they really do want to lean on the run and let the run set up what they like to do in the passing game, both in the RPO and the drawback. I know, I know with our guys, even at the high school level, I mean, we were just talking about it tonight with our other coaches that we run, we have our track counter and power, our, our gap plays, our, our hard power plays. Then we have our inside zone, our outside zone, and our stretch looks that are all zone looks. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're looking at what the defense is giving us. If they're, if they're stacking guys, then it makes our zones real easy. Because you stack, you can – and and that those athletic guards help that, regardless of their size, they can they can can push back, climb to the next level while a man takes over. We call it scoops and slips. Yep. We can hit those up, but if you get a you get a defense kind of like what I expect Tech to be running, where it's spreading out that front, it might be a little bit easier to kick out. You find that three and seven, and it gives you more space on that side. You can really pin and pull and take advantage of some stuff. Yep. Having both of those in there is going to be, I think, it, it'll be be great to see again. It lets you pick your poison a little bit, and you can kind of feel how, how are they, how are they working for you? How are they trying to attack your line and, and kind of adjust accordingly? It gives yeah. you a little bit more of an option where um, you, you're not kind of locked into. All right, well, I've got to run inside outside zone all day. That's my bread and butter. If if Absolutely. that's not working, I'm going to have a long day. And, and as a defensive coach, we see a lot now. A lot of teams are going to zone with their RPOs because it gets it gets such a hard flow going one way, and then they can pop it back to the backside. Well, if you've got a team that's spread out that's not going so hard with that flow, they keep that player that can can help them on the backside. Then it takes some of that RPO away. Well, why not go ahead and take advantage of it and run that that hard gap, pound it right in there, and power them with it. Yep. So I mean, to have both of them at your at your exposure, we have a hard time with it being able to prepare for both. But I mean, we're going to see teams that are going to do a lot of that, a lot of that zone and RPO. That's why we're stacking guys up. Yep. And, and it gives us the guys out of the edge that we can take away some of it. Well, and just, what what uh, what do you sorry? What are you going to say, Curtis? I just, I just find it refreshing that he, after one quarter, made that quick adjustment. Because a lot of coaches would continue to sit and say, this is eventually going to work, where 15 minutes go by, you're not having much success. This was our initial game plan. And I'm sure them going against Memphis, the thought was, we're probably bigger than them. So running the gaps, we're going to be able to push them around. Obviously, you know, one of, you know, Ryan was coaching at that point, wasn't he? He was the interim head coach, right? Or no, he wasn't. Your old coach from Sydney. Yeah, he was the interim head coach. That that was his first game as as a coach, as game coach. So he had that thought of (laughs) take that away, but Bowen, instead of hesitating, changes gears. 
I'm going zone. And then the next thing, you know, I know they scored 50 plus points was impressive in that game. Well, the big thing, so they, they had one touchdown in the first quarter that came kind of late in the first quarter, uh, went into halftime with 35 points. There you go. All right, Brian, I'm going to let you run through this. Pass game sets for the entire offensive line. What are we seeing inside and outside? So one thing that I like, and, you know, we, we talk about this, is that we've got the play action, we've got the RPO. That takes a lot of the pin-their-ears-back moments for the defense. You don't necessarily have a ton of that because you're not a team like they straight drops are probably about 50% of the pass plays they have. The rest are either off play action or off RPO in some way. And I'd say it probably tends on the higher side of that 50% um, that are RPOs or play actions. You're not having a ton of straight drops where you're having your tackles have to bend, kick, and make sure that they're not getting those, those edge rushes for those, uh, those ears pinned back defensive ends. So that helps a little bit to take some pressure off the offensive line for those speed rushes. Um, a lot of three-step drops, you're looking at slide protection, um, get ball out of the hands quick um, when it's not some sort of RPO or play action in there. Um, like I said earlier, the center's got to make a lot of these checks uh, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you see the center communicating with the rest of the offensive line, um, you know, whether it's, you know, various checks for, depending on what type of uh, pre-snap look the defense is giving. And as we talked about a little bit earlier, we got uncovered linemen. They've got dual reads on those straight drops. So they've got to read uh, multiple linebackers um, if they're if they're the uncovered guy. There's three things that are going to slow a defense down. Moving the quarterback out of the pocket right from the start. Roll out, spread out. Screens, which we've already said, you've already said that screens are going to be limited. And then, then that, that quick step RPO pop, I mean, it's going to help protect that quarterback. Right? Yeah. That's a thing. A lot of the RPOs they like to do – is kind of pressuring the defense inside and outside. So the the run is is stressing them inside, whereas they've got like on a lot of them when they run to the trip side, they've got a the slot receiver, the inside slot is kind of backpedaling uh parallel to the line of scrimmage and you got the two wide guys going up to block. Um so you know if you commit another guy to the box to stop the run, you're gonna be vulnerable out there uh to, to the uh to the RPO. If if you're keying on the RPO, you got another band that's not in the box to to help help with the run there. So it kind of widens um, the area that a the defense has to cover on a given play. Um, so that 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 puts a lot of stress on on the defense, and it makes it so they can't just pin their ears back um, as well. So um, yeah, I mean that's that's really it for the offensive line in terms of the uh, the, the pass protection. Um, you know when it we looked at the running game. We already talked about all the all the pulls and uh, things yeah. from the guard and the tackle perspective there. All right. Well, let's kick over to quarterbacks because Robbie made a good point about having a mobile, moving the quarterback around. I don't think we will ever see as much running as we did with the quarterback last year. But how many times – I mean, I don't think we're going to have a stationary quarterback either. What is, what is Bowen showing – I mean, are we running – just a handful of times? Is it just broken scrambles? Is it – what are you seeing from the run game as far as the quarterback goes? In terms of, like, kind of design running runs or b- runs based off reads, 
you're looking at about 10, maybe 12 carries a game for the quarterback. This isn't a, a position where you have to have the quarterback be successful in the run game for the run game to be successful. Um, the quarterback needs to be athletic, but we don't need elite athleticism. We need the threat, the potential threat that that quarterback can get some yards, can get some first downs, maybe occasionally, uh, you know, bust a 20 plus yarder if, if the, uh, the circumstances are right. But these are more kind of move the pocket type things and give the defense something else to think about. Um, they're not, they're not wrapping the strength of the running game around, uh, what the quarterback's able to do on the ground. I got you. So it's more one of those things where I don't want to say it's like show, like it's just for show, but it's just when you think you've figured out all of our things, he's going to pull it. He's going to run for five yards. Now, Robbie, what do you have to do with that? I'm moving my linebacker. It's a keep a defense honest kind of thing. We We can't just key him, hit the running back, hit the running back, hit the running back. Because the minute we start going after that, forget the mesh point, hit the running back, the quarterback's going to pull it out take it around the edge where there's nobody responsible for it. And the RPO adds another element to that because a lot of times there's there's two reads if the quarterback tries to keep it. If the quarterback keeps it, he's still got potentially the ability to throw out there uh, on the RPO uh, on top of the option to keep it and uh, get upfield himself. Um, but the big thing for the quarterback, the, the most important thing for them is to be able to quickly diagnose – what the defense is giving them at that mesh point and and get them in situations where they can maximize those defensive mismatches. Good deal. All right, let's kind of talk about the passing game. And now we're not going to get into the specifics of what type of passes. And you've already said it with the run game. The guy's got to have some athleticism. But are we looking for athleticism with a big cannon or is it is or is accuracy more important in Bowen's offense accuracy is absolutely more important than a cannon but you need a quarterback that can still make all the throws and stretch the defense when necessary um but the most important thing again just like in the running game being able to maximize yardage with those rpo reads and get the ball in the hands of where they've got mismatches with their athletes in space and a lot of times that leads to missed tackles and big plays so even when it's not a situation where you know, the guy's wide open and the guy's running completely free, you're putting the defense out on the island where a good move here or there, and all of a sudden a a five-yard gain turns into a 20- or 30-yard gain because of one missed tackle. From what you saw, is it – what's the – is it two to three seconds getting rid of the ball, or is it more three to five? It really kind of depends on the play. Um, Like I said, the the ability to make – Quick and accurate throws in the short passing game is important because that's where a majority of the RPO elements are uh, in the offense. And they've got to be able to throw on the run um, and not just on those sprint outs or rolls like Robbie was talking about. But a lot of times with the RPO, once they make that mesh, they're sometimes moving, you know, kind of towards where that RPO is designed to go. So they've got to be able to throw accurately on the run there. Um, and they, like I said, they got to be able to push the ball downfield. That's usually going to be off of play action. Um, usually when you see those deep shots, those are coming off of straight play action, not necessarily RPOs. Um, and I think the bigger thing is that we need a quarterback that's not afraid to test the defense in the middle of the field. 
because a lot of the the primary routes are going to be uh, plays going over the middle of the field. You're going to have to be able to make some throws there when there's a little bit of little bit of traffic, a little bit of a little bit of mess. You'd have to be able to make those throws. You got to have a special kind of guy to go across that middle and catch that thing too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about it because something that's been kind of mentioned is this is going to be a heavy tight end. Obviously, y'all talked about Benji Gosnell. Some people project him at tight end. You've got Jermaine. You've got Daquan Wright. You've got Drake DeLewis already on the roster. You've got Eric Gallo on the roster. You've got Gibble on the roster. We've already got a crap ton of tight ends. You have mentioned they're not in line enough. They're a lot spread, H-back position. So what are their responsibilities in the run game if they're not a lot of in line? Uh, so on a lot of the, the zone plays, they're either um, kind of double teaming on the end up to the to the next level, uh, or they've got kind of a split zone where they're uh, blocking back against the field, uh, against the play towards the defensive end on the backside. Um, so they'll pull some. Uh, they will, uh, again, go in motion um, pre-snap to get, get themselves aligned for the split zone. Uh, they, they, they will, uh, my favorite play, and I'll show some video a little bit later. Um, you, you know, one of the plays that, that Bowen likes is, uh, kind of an ISO with the tight end in the wing, um, kind of going in B gap and up to the, up to the mic, um, to, to get a block on the mic there. Um, that's one of my favorite plays to watch them do. Um, always, always a good collision, usually got some pretty good yards on it. So, uh, like watching that. Um, but, that that's pretty much the, the primary responsibilities for them in the running game. Now, they, if they're outside uh, flexed out, they're usually in that two spot to the trip side, um, unless they're going two by two, in which case they're you know they're double wings usually. Um, but in, in those cases, they're uh, you know kind of stalk blocking just like a, a, a normal wide receiver would. There's two guys going to block at one back, and that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> it's ISO. Where's the flag? <laughs> What are you trying to say, chop block? They use two to block one. They can't do that. <laughs> All right, bro. With, Brian and I both know as offensive linemen, third flag on holding. It's called holding. You're probably right. <laughs> offensive linemen hold. There's a, there's a couple times where I debated that fact. <laughs> if you're not throwing the flag every play, you, you it, it better damn well be egregious <laughs> if I'm holding. <laughs> throw it every play on us. We teach our linemen to hold. <laughs> Listen, you have to hold. Is that the yeah. rule? Like, you just have to hold. Why? If you're not holding, you're not trying, man. <laughs> if you've made it to the number on the shoulder pads, you went too far. If it's still down on the number on the chest, you're golden. Keep holding, baby. That's yeah. right. All right. Well, I use the tight ends. Oh, well, you will say something about the tight ends in the passing game? I was going to say, let's, let's talk about the tight end in the passing game because with Bowen being up at Penn State, he he had two studs. I mean, Jaseki and Furmuth are studs. Jaseki, I've drafted numerous times in fantasy, got rid of him numerous times in fantasy, but he has helped out, and Furmuth helped out this year. Um, What are we seeing in the pass game, and can Gallo and Drake especially – you know, jump into that role this year. Yeah, I think they can. And I'll tell you the big reason why I think they can is that a lot of, a lot of what they do is what those two guys were both doing when James Mitchell was still on the field. Okay. 
So um, th- there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them to work from the wing, um, split out a little bit and, and run, you know, some hitches, some seams. Um, but primarily what they're running is the, the seam. Uh, they're running some, some quick outs. Uh, and then they're either, you know, the drags and shallow crosses. Um, that's really the bread and butter. And you see that a lot, um, especially when we're, when I was watching Fryermuth. I mean, he does such a good job after the catch. Um, and I think that, you know, a guy like Gallo could potentially turn into something like that where he gets some, some quality yards after the catch just because he's got a little bit of that bigger body that can absorb some of those hits uh, kind of after the catch. So it sounds like he goes simplistic, right? Simplistic. I'm not going to try to overthink and do a ton with my tight ends in the passing game. I'm using it very basic. But what we're doing at the run game and other things, if these guys can get the ball in their hands, there's going to be space there. And is it – does he, like, factor in – is it mismatches? Is he getting good matchups because of the alignments? Well, it's it's mismatches, but sometimes it's just um... – you know, the, those underneath routes, there's a little bit more space sometimes to work uh, from the line of scrimmage there. And that gives them a little bit of an opportunity to to get some run after the catch. Um, so Fryermuth, like I said, in particular, I saw a bunch of opportunities where he caught the ball at about four or five yards and turned it into a, a 15 or 20 yard gain just because of one missed tackle. Um, and, and he had that athleticism to to kind of accelerate, not quite wide receiver speed, but good enough to run away from some of those interior guys. Run away from the bigger guys and over to smaller guys. There we go. <laughs> All right. Didn't know. I'm going to just keep going down and we'll eventually get to the tape. So let's talk about the wide receivers because from what you're telling us here, tight ends are on the field a lot. Yep. Right. Tight ends are on the field a lot. There's almost always a, at least one tight end on the field. And then 30%. And, but they the have time. to be able to line up at the wing, in line, Everywhere. opposite trips. And then uh, when they go uh, trips uh, with the tight end to the trip side, he's usually the number two guy. But then you're also telling us that about 30, you saw it about every third play, you're going to get two tight ends. So obviously, you know, you have a 10 play drive you're looking at probably two tight ends four times versus having, you know, three wides, you know, more, you know, more or less. But what are the tight ends doing? Let's talk about, let's talk about them in the pass game first. What, what's, what's kind of their route tree? Do we have a full route tree or is it like it used to be? Talking about the wide receivers or the tight ends? Wide receivers. So uh, the way they kind of structure their wide receivers uh, is, a little bit similar to what Robbie was talking about earlier. Uh, A lot of the uh, exterior guys are more, you got one side that's usually more of a stick mover. One guy that's a little bit more of a burner. They usually put that guy on the same side with the slot receiver and the slot receiver is the guy that really runs the full complement of the route tree and uh, can take advantage of a lot of mismatches uh, in the middle of the field. Also has a lot more room to work just because you can run a lot of, stuff out that's got space to run those outs. Um, you got space to run those corners, uh, but you can also run the post. You could run the dig. Um, the, the real full route tree is available to the slot receiver, and that's the guy that's usually the primary target on most of these pass plays. All right, that's your primary target. So 
reality is you're going to have a speedster on the outside, Jaden Payute, right? Yep. Who's our why this year? You know, is it Jaden Blue? Do you think I think I think Jaden Blue is going to be your X. He's going to be the primary um, stick mover. I think your Z is going to be. Uh, pay you. He's going to be a burner, and then I think you're going to put Lofton at the slot and let him do okay. a little bit of everything. All right, um, but full complement route tree and just more specifics, right? So essentially, Robbie, what does that do when you have somebody like Jaden Payute, who's a four-four guy who can just run by the defense? What does that do to the rest of the feet as you shake your head? <laughs> Man, you you've got to. You got to have that corner that's that's got a mindset now. He's either got a mindset of I can run with him every step and I don't care, I can cover him downfield, or I know this cat's faster than I am, and I've got to be as physical as possible and knock his timing off as quickly as I can. Um I mean you see it every day, you see it all the time in the NFL. You get teams that that take these big physical wide receivers like DK Metcalf. And say, okay, bring your little five ten corner and see if he can do anything with it. And some of them take Tyreek Hill and go keep up with him if you can. I mean, it's a pick your poison. You what, do they make you, what does it make you do with the safeties though? Because in that case, I mean, I know you have confidence in your players, but there are sometimes you know, I know you think you're fast, but I gotta give you some help. What does that start doing to the alignment? Because from, from what I'm hearing, Brian, is you're going to have the stick mover on the outside and you've got a guy going downfield. The slot guy's going to do everything. So it sounds like it's attempt, essentially what Tyler Bowen's trying to do is he's trying to manipulate the middle of the field to get his tight ends open and to let that slot kind of run havoc and do whatever. The, the, the slot gets to cook. The tight end kind of gets to work when the, where those holes are. And then the outside guys are kind of your outlets to move the sticks if nothing else is there. The, you're, you're creating mismatches, not man-to-man, but space areas. You're putting guys on the bind because you've got that burner down the side that's taking that corner. Or if you're playing a cover two, the, the corner is going to sit and take away something underneath. Okay, then you got that safety playing really deep, stretching that field. Now all of a sudden you got the tight end and the slot. You know the tight ends running the drag, and the slots running this. You know dig over the top. Well, that linebacker now he's got to decide: Do I come down to the to the drag, or do I stay back on the on the dig? Because I know the safety had to help over the top. Well, you put that linebacker on the back. He's not great at coverage anyway, so he's not going to make the best decision. A lot of times, I mean, it's yep. it's tough. So we talk about we talked about it here. One of our best plays, we bring our outside receiver and replace the nearest linebacker. Okay, we call it a stick. We take our slot and run him in a corner, and then we take our back to the same side, run a bubble. Okay, so you've got a stick. You've got a guy coming in, almost like an RPO running in, replacing the linebacker, and you've got the running back running out. Well, his coverage part is in that flats area. So if he goes out to the running back, you got a free guy from the outside coming in right there to the hash taking the ball from you. If you stay right there, we'll throw the bubble 
because the corner dropped with the with the corner uh route going to the back. So he's got 12 yards before anybody's ever gonna get to it. Yep. If we play cover two and the safety comes down to it, I mean the corner comes down to it, the safety's got to go all the way to the corner of the field to catch that ball running the corner from the slot man. It's the hardest thing in the world. We haven't we haven't stopped it at practice yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for, so for tell me what you what, what, I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from both of y'all is the way Bowen's offense is set up is it's not misdirection or anything like that. It's essentially a spacing game. Yes. And it's, yep. it's essentially it's almost chess in a way to say, This is what I'm doing with my pieces. You have to pick your poison. I'm going to get somebody open. It might be short, but you have to tackle them. And yep. your guy has to choose the right spot. It, it may be short, but where's the next guy that's going to tackle it? Exactly. Yards after the carry. All yep. right. And I, the I, wide I, receivers are, are are big in the in the running game too. I mean, especially those outside guys, um, because they they're going to have primary uh, responsibilities on a lot of these RPOs, where they're the primary blocker to kind of spring that RPO for more than just a you know two or three yard gain. All right. So that, that's going to be big for them. They also have some responsibilities on, on some of the, uh, you know, walling some backers on some of the run plays and uh, obviously some runoff and decoy looks on run plays. And, and, but primarily it's going to be that stock blocking um, type technique. RPOs, man. When, when teams get so heavy into those RPOs, you get linebackers who are normally coming from their depth and colliding those receivers as they come across, now yeah. all of a sudden they're slowing down because they may that ball may be thrown really quick and they have to try to break down and tackle a, a more athletic individual. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now all of a sudden they're slowing down. This guy's coming in, he's going up, it comes an RPO, but he's not RPOing. The ball's going to break out to the side. Now he's got an easy block because that guy's not running full speed through him. All he's got to do is get in his way. He doesn't have to kill him. You just got to make him go around. Yep. It, it slows that flow down it, and gives it – it's a lot harder to move sideways, change the direction, <clears throat> and then go tackle when a running back's running full speed already. Yep. And some, and some of these uh, some of these route uh, combinations are designed for, like, those picks and rubs, and some of them are just, as we talked about, some of that spacing where you're yep. trying to get uh, guys where there's – you got to pick your poison because you're, you're on an island and you got two guys coming into your area. Good deal. All right. But let's, uh, let's wrap up the last position group, Brian. Yep. Um, now, I'm, I'm going to ask you this before you jump into it. Who do you think is the starting running back game one? If I had to put my money on somebody, I think it'd be Kenji Christian. All right. Not Malachi. Not the guy that had a good season. I think Malachi will be heavily featured. Um, looking at Bowen, he was using three running backs with uh, a, a ton of carries. So th- three guys are going to get significant totes. Um, okay. Just in the bowl game, uh, we saw, I think it was Ricky Slade had some carries um, along with Noah Kane and uh, Journey Brown. So you had three guys that were probably around close to 10 or, or 10 or more carries in that game. So, so there's going to be plenty of an opportunities for 
a, a handful of guys to eat. Um, and you don't necessarily need to lean on a primary back uh, in this type of offense. So might as well give everybody some. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, if we can find a Jonathan Taylor, absolutely give him 20 carries a game. Um, but, but short of that, uh, especially with what we know we're, we're rolling with uh, more or less on this roster uh, going into 23, uh, 22, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, 22, there's going to be, opportunities for about two or three guys to get eight to 10 carries a game. All right. It's good to know that, but it's also what you just talk about Jonathan Taylor, because at Fordham, he had Chase Edmonds. He found that kid somewhere and had him play at Fordham and got that kid to be drafted in the fourth round. <laughs> and, and he was still giving splitting carries, uh, even with Chase there. There was like another running yards. There was and, another running back that still probably had eight to ten carries a game when you had yeah. a Chase Edmonds on your field playing at an FCS level. Which so crazy. there's still some opportunities out there for carries, even when you do have that kind of elite player uh, on your roster. So there's going to be two to three guys that are going to get some significant opportunities here. So I don't think Malachi Combs not being 1A is necessarily a slight to him. I just think Kenji Christian's skill set probably matches what we're trying to do on offense a little bit more than Malachi. Obviously, with the caveat being that Kenji Christian picks up the elements of the offense in time for for fall. I, I tell you, if I if I the thought of hearing you say that. There could be two or three guys getting ten carries apiece, and the quarterback could possibly get eight carries. I mean, I'm not I'm not a math magician. Three players getting ten, and a quarterback getting eight. That's thirty eight balls run the in a game. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> the coach likes this. He likes it. He likes it. Yeah, and I mean, the, the reason I say this about Kenji, I mean, I think a running back that's going to have success like in the that. system. They got to have versatility. They got to have good patience. Um, they got to have a good mesh response relationship with the quarterback. Obviously, Malachi probably has the advantage there just because he's had more on the field. Uh, I know we don't, I know, I know we're not returning every quarterback he's taken snaps with this season, but we are returning a quarterback he's taken snaps with this season. So, um, you know, I think he, he probably has a little bit of a leg up there. Um, when we talk about zone plays, we talk about bang, bend, or bounce. So bang, you're going right at the aiming point, right? Bend, you're bending it back. It's that cutback lane. Bounce, you're bouncing it outside. I think Kenji probably has the best ability to do those three things well. Okay. Whereas Malachi, I think, is more of a more of a bang and maybe a little bit of a bend, but I don't know if he's quite got the bounce. And, uh, you know, you must have acceleration to get through those holes when they open up. And I, I think Kenji probably has the best combination of that as well. All right. That bang and bend will go into your gap scheme pretty well, too. <laughs> yep. So. All right. How much passing is it? I mean, I felt like the old regime, it was non-existent. I felt like Loeffler before that, non-existent. And even Frank's years, it was not, you know, way up there. Is it? We're going to see it more or less. You have to catch the ball if you want to play running back in this okay. system. <laughs> and, and it's not just screens. They're using the running back a lot uh, split out into when – they, when they go empty, the running back staying on the field. He's going out into the, to the slot to the, uh, to, the single trip, to the single side opposite the trips. Um, he is 
um, catching balls on kind of swings out of the backfield. They're putting him in motion, uh, catching some swing passes. Um, Got to be able to get some extra yards off those too, because there's usually going to be one one guy you're going to have to make miss in that uh, that open field. So, um, got to be able to catch. Got to be able to make guys miss in the open field. So it sounds to me like it's going to be a lot closer to what we're seeing more in the pros now, rather than the 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 what most people look at as a spread college running back quarterback go. You know, the kind of old school Lamar Jackson kind of stuff. Yeah, they, I mean, it, it, like I said, it's Smash Mouth RPO, but they still use the running back outside of the yeah. the, uh, the the tackle box there to catch the ball. Um, and like I said, it's not almost exclusively not on necessarily traditional screens. Um, it's it's more of those quick swings, um, or like I said, splitting the the, the back out pre-snap and letting him run a slant or a hitch or something like that to get him the ball quick and let it make some guys miss. Yep. Awesome. Awesome to hear, man. Um, y'all have both got me completely jacked about this season. We're going 12 and 0 now. <laughs> well, we got I'm some plays to run through. I'm going to, I'm going to talk through some of the plays to expect, man. You gotta, oh, yeah. you gotta get hype about this. I'm excited about your defense. I'm telling you. But we got to make sure that the right ones are there. I feel real good about one. <laughs> Mike linebacker. And I feel like that they're going to do a great job in, in putting the right guys in the right places. Awesome. But, well, let's take a look at the video. Work in progress. Yep. Right, I'm going to talk through some plays first. And as we get to ones I've got video on, I'll, I'll pull that up. Um, so, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through plays in terms of usage and kind of you know them being the bread and butter of the offense and then we'll kind of look at look at some videos as we go through things that i think most of the audience is familiar with i didn't pull video for so um for example i'm starting here with the inside zone zone read and zone rpo um i don't really need to show you a ton about that you guys kind of seen variations of that that we've ran the last couple of years um with uh with cornelson um, there's a little bit of a different action in terms of how they get the ball um, out to the receivers, but the, the basic concepts are the same. The reads are the same. Uh, same with the uh, the wide zone uh, read and RPO. That's kind of the, the, the outside zone uh, look there. Um, so same type of deal. Uh, they, they run a dive RPO, um, but the – the first one I'm going to show a video on is the uh, the split zone read and then the the RPO that they run off of that. So let me get that queued up here for us. All right. And again, for those listening on the podcast, head over to YouTube to see these videos. We do have a YouTube account, Bandry Corner Podcast. Subscribe. Right, this is some Oregon tape here. Yep. So this is Oregon. So uh, just a disclaimer of what I did here with the tape, uh, since we don't have a ton of video of Bowen calling plays at the power five level outside of one game. Uh, what I've done here is looked at all the games where he has called plays and cross referenced those with Joe Moorhead tape. That's been cut up significantly on the web and it's available here. So uh, first play here is uh, with Oregon. Um, it's the split zone. It's going to show you actually three different variations here. 
So let's take a look. So in this, you got a little bit, you got the tight end split out wide. Uh, flexed initially comes into the wing. Comes across the formation. And this is actually the RPO setup here. So notice that he didn't actually block anyone. No, he went right through the guy. Yeah. So what what normally would happen here is that uh, the tight end is going to kick that backside uh, defensive end. Uh, but they run an RPO off of this where they kind of leak the tight end into the flat. So it kind of gives uh, the the outside linebacker, puts him on an island if the quarterback decides to keep it here. Uh, in this case, it's a give. Um, but let's let's watch it here. But if you got if the quarterback had kept here, you see you got the quarterback coming out with the ball. Quarterback will be coming out with the ball. You got the tight end out there, so you got a little bit of a of a dual read for whoever the odd man is here. But again, in this case, they gave it um, to the running back. It's about a nice nice touchdown there. The blitzer coming in there probably made him read the, the give. Yep. Yep. Here's another look at it here. Well, look at that. Look at the look at the difference in the splits where the linebackers are. He brings them in right here. Takes two steps. Yeah, he saw two guys blitzing on that side. He knew that he had numbers with the running back in the middle there. They had numbers blocking in the middle. So good job given there. All right. And so. that's just that's one of the base run inside zones, right? You call it split zone, but it's an that's inside a split. Zone. It's it's an inside zone. Just the concept is split because you got the tight end uh, moving backside. And it, when it's RPO, he's leaking. If it's just straight split zone, he'd be kicking out the uh, backside DN. All right. What's the next if one? They'd running, if they'd have been running a, a more true zone instead of the split, he'd have been reading the other side in. Yep. Where back's going one way and the quarterback would be going opposite. Exactly. Yeah. That same side is a lot harder on a defense. <laughs> All right. So, again, the, the next one I've already talked about a little bit is the, the ISO, the ISO RPO. Um, <laughs> that's tight end. Going in that B gap, knocking the piss out of that Mike linebacker. <laughs> Let's see it. I don't have a video of that one. <laughs> I was just talking about that as a, as one of the one of the key oh, plays I, here. When I play uh, off the line, it's an amazing thing to see. When I got to coach that linebacker, to take on two guys, and and let somebody fill in behind it, whew, they do yep. not like that sound of that. No, they do not. <laughs> All right, so the next one we're gonna have fun with this one. So it's the duo. Um, it's a lot of times called power without a pull. So it's essentially. Power scheme, you just don't have the, the, the pulling guard wrapping there. So um, let me pull that one up, and we will take a look at that. Power without a pull just sounds like it shouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it does. All right. Efforting. The efforting. Uh, it's, it's playing. It's just in slow motion. 
Oh, okay. We can't see yep. it. Oh, hang on. Let's say there we Where go. Is it? Let's run it back. <laughs> Temple. Oh, Lord, they just wipe everybody clear. <laughs> so it's a lot of downs, the tight ends kicking, and then you're essentially asking the running back in this case to make that one backer miss in the hole. You got a, you got a good. In this Good opportunity here. In this situation, Temple takes herself out of it because the blitzing backer here goes off opposite side anyway. Oh yeah, nobody ever touches it. Yeah, the strong the strong safety is the only player that can make a play here. <laughs> Forty four runs itself into the wash. Yep. But I see what you're talking about. It's a power because everybody's going one direction and flattening out, right? Yeah. No, so normally on a power, it's down and then wrap. Right. Yeah. And in this case, uh, there's no wrap. It's just down and then the, the tight end is walling uh, the, the play side DN. Yeah, normally that guard or tackle, somebody's coming up on the backer. Yep. But the backer set itself into the into the wash right there. There, there should there should have been like a double team like a down double team somewhere in the in the middle there and the backer just took himself out of it. <laughs> and that just seems All like right. a very basic play right there. Just very simplistic, nothing fancy, not a lot of eye candy. Just go out there, block, turn the guys in the running. It, back. It's 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 definitely more old school. It's that old school, a sma- little, little more smash mouth type play. Um, you know, we'll also see things that we're familiar with. You'll see a counter counter sweep. They'll run that with the running back and the quarterback. Uh, they'll run that kind of pin pull, that kind of buck sweep or quarterback sweep as well. Um, and I have to plug in. Yeah, you're good. Completely. <laughs> uh, we also have the return of the, the the power read or the inverted veer. Uh, but there is variances that we will run out of this. Okay. Um, and there is some RPO elements that, that are added into that. Uh, but the next video I'm going to show you is the power dart RPO. So let me get that pulled up for you. This is the one you talked about that you said look at this because some Brian mentioned to me just a little earlier was we don't have a ton of run plays, but the way they counter it is multiple formations and multiple ways to block those run plays. Correct. Well, yeah, that, and also pretty much every run play can have an RPO element to it. It's not always called that way. Um, So you're, you're essentially anytime you, have a running play, you're going to at least be able to run it four different ways out of the same formation. Um, you know, left, right, straight, left, right, RPO. Uh, and then you're going to have different formations that some of these plays will work equally well out of. So you, you get a lot of different looks, even though you technically only have, um, you know, a handful of concepts, right? So you got, you got about eight or 10 run concepts, but those are deployed in a lot of different ways. And this is called Power Dart. Yeah, Power Dart, and then there's RPO off of that. All right. So we got a tackle pull. Reading the uh, outside linebacker. In this case, they gave it. Got a pretty good gain there. We'll see it from a different angle here.
closer. Here's to a little different different action with the running back here, but the same same play design. Well, it's also where they're doing it. They just did that one at like the forty, and then the next one it's inside the goal line. Yep. Kind of showing the variation where it can be done at any point on the field. And this is and, now midfield. Yeah, and, and and here's where we're gonna get a throw out of this because you got the uh linebacker kind of sneaks inside, catches a peak, and now you got a big wide open lane to throw it to the wide receiver. Little slot seam. Yep. He he took three steps. Kind of a little, kind of a little skinny post, little skinny <laughs> post there. Yeah. One thing you'll notice there defensively, all three plays, same play, but different alignment by the running back, and a different way they took the steps to do it. All put different players on the bind. Yep. He came in right there and went across for the thing, so it pulled that guy down in case the quarterback came up. Quarterback came up to run. That guy had to come down to take the quarterback. So then he could drop it easily over top. The same thing on the very first play was they had that running back cross the quarterback. So you always, anytime a running back crosses the quarterback as a defense, I have to have somebody there for the quarterback in case he pulls it and takes off. Well, the one there where he stepped to the quarterback, got the ball and went up. Mm-hmm. We're not worried about the quarterback at that point. We got to attack the running back inside. Yep. And he got right back in. So it's putting different people in the bind. It's some tough stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're, show, you're showing essentially – I mean, it's the same play, but you're showing a little different window dressing that's causing some of those backers to flow yeah. different, differently from the start of the snap, and, and then all of a sudden – A lot of the same formation, but just yeah. where the back goes yeah. to. Yep, exactly. So, I mean, some other plays that, that are – you know, staples of the offense, uh, freeze option. Um, when they run that, it's all, they usually run it out of pistol, but it, the initial look of it looks like pistol inside zone. And so you, you get a little bit of a hesitation from those linebackers flowing outside the tackle box. So once they, once they start that, that, uh, that option, uh, that freeze option where they're getting wide of the tackle box, um, it really it really gives the opportunity for the quarterback to make a good read, and it gives a lot more opportunity for the quarterback to potentially keep there if uh, if those linebackers haven't um, you know flowed back over the top of the of the DN there. So um, that that was effective on a, on a handful of plays I saw. Uh, the next one is one I really like because it's something that we actually ran at Hamden Sydney a lot, um, but they've added some RPO elements to it. It's the uh, the shovel RPO. So let me get that queued up here for us. Shovel. We we run that similar to that option here. And uh, you run it limited times, it's very effective. All right, here we go. This is the trips you talked about, trips, inline tight end. Yep. So, yeah, let's run that back and take a look at that. So you got inline tight end at the bottom, trips to the top, running back offset to the tight end side, and 
you know, again, it, it, here it's going to be optioning. You know, they're really putting that D in on the island. Putting the D in on an island, also given. But but look at the R, the RPO element. Watch the inside uh, on the trips. Pop it out there, right there. Yep. Yeah. So if if so if if you run it back here. If that uh, if the DN doesn't come up field, doesn't fly up field, he just kind of sits. You're going to throw it out there to that that slot receiver, and he got he's got some room and space to make some something happen there as well. So that's almost like the um, what is it the like the West Coast what is it, the the hard bootleg with the tight end crossing. Y'all know what I'm talking, man. Sorry, I was watching the video. What do you say? Yeah, run it back. <laughs> what I was saying is, you ever seen West Coast offenses like the Shanahan offense when he runs that stretch, but it's a rollout where the tight end's crossing. Yeah. It's kind of similar to that concept of if you, if you bite down, it's going to be a very easy pass. The defensive end bit down in that case. So as yeah. soon as he bit down, it, it's an easy decision for the quarterback. Flip it right inside. If we see the way it was blocked on the inside, they are turning those guys out. It was like let the let the defensive end rush. You made the point. Yeah. I both made the point. If he stays clear, it's going to be tough to make that shovel. He's going to be right there to make the play. But you're going to have the guy going out to the flats, and it's only two guys up top. Yep. So it's a three on two concept where if he makes the catch and he turns, somebody's got to get off blocks. Or somebody's got to come from the opposite side of the field to make the play. Well, yeah. Rob, Robbie, I know can speak to this. The one downside of the shovel is that if the defensive end doesn't fly upfield, you pretty much have to toss it in the dirt. Yeah. With this, you don't. You have another option. <laughs> well, right. We, we run yeah, absolutely. We run something very similar to this, but instead of the back leading up for that shovel like that. We we take our slot, and he goes up to seven, and out, and they're running back. We fake it there. If the back comes down to the running back, we throw it out there now. If he widens, then we drop it to the running back on a like a quick out. Okay, okay. The quarterback still moving. He flips it out there. So I mean, the quarterback and the running back are three yards apart, but he just yeah. he drops right to him. They mirror each other down the field, depending on where that end takes it. We tried to shovel early in the year, a little middle screen. We had two of them picked off. <laughs> but it wasn't because, it wasn't because our, we got good reads. It's because we're playing with guys that are 330 pounds at defensive line. Mm -hmm. not, they didn't know not to rush. They're just too slow doing it. <laughs> Yeah. Big bears caught it. Yeah, there's always risk with that one inside. So, so th that's kind of the last of the uh, the RPOs that we'll look at. We're going to look at some um, some route combinations and concepts now. Um, the shovel I felt was a good kind of segue because it's technically a pass, yeah, but it's, it's also it, it, but it's pretty much a run play. It's uh, like the, like the jet <laughs> now that is a shovel. Yeah, it used yeah. to be a jet hand. But now, if you hand it to him and he gets, you know, he drops the ball, it's a fumble. But as long as you just kind of toss it in front of him and he yep. catches it, if he doesn't catch it, it's incomplete. You did exactly, exactly. 
So, I mean, the first co- uh, combination we're looking at, they, they run spacing. So you got, you know, the curls and hitches um, spread throughout the, the, the field there, uh, create spacing for the quarterback to make a read, get the ball to the open man make, and let them get, get up field there. Good stick moving combination, good way to kind of get guys, um, you know, make some tough choices for the, uh, the inside um, of the defense there. Uh, but the first video that I'm going to show is the uh, the Portland concept. This is one of my favorites that I was looking at uh, when I was reviewing. So let me get that one queued up for us here. They tend to run a lot of more concepts mirrored, or do they have a lot of routes? Do you think they're running off of a route tree? They're running out of a route tree, um, and it'll be pretty evident on, on this one here. Um, so... Let me get it queued up here. All right, so this is that that true um, trips look. So it's not the trips with the tight end in line. Um, but we'll look at this from top to bottom, and you'll kind of see what I'm, what I'm talking about here. So I'll play it a little bit and then kind of pause it as I'm going. All right, so from from top to bottom, we have a hitch. We've got a shallow cross. We've got the uh, tight end in this case. That was the third guy on the trip side. He's going to be running a corner. You got your wide receiver down at the bottom running a post. And then you got the running back running a wheel. Post wheel, most deadly pattern in football, <laughs> and that's a touchdown. Yeah, because nobody covers the wheel. <laughs> also well, helps when you have Saquon Barkley as your running back. Yeah. Well, that helps. <laughs> well, it's also it's the post concept though, because that safety in the middle of the field he can't leave. He can't leave early because if he leaves early, it's an easier throw. Right. Yep. The post. And if that and if the post or the wheel aren't open, look at the middle of the field who you got running pretty much <laughs> wide open for a solid yeah. hey, eight to ten yard game. It's a pit. But in this case you can see That's the- actually one of the better wheel coverages I've seen. And he still gets beat. Still gets beat. Still gets beat. Good pass. Again, helps when you have Saquon Barkley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That post is so important there though, because that the safety has to just stay there. He can't. Well, this leave. is one where Wisconsin defended pretty well. Yeah, and it was still a touchdown. It was still a touchdown. And the other big piece on this is even if they had taken away the wheel, if he had rode him out of bounds, it's that shallow cross yeah. back one two, not there dump. There's no one on that side of the field. Uh-uh. He probably gets to the five yard line. Was one of them out of bounds? One of them's out of bounds with the running back, and the other one's running down the field with the uh, with the post. And the safety, safety ain't leaving. Yeah, it's still the safety. Yep. Yeah. Well, the safety's still standing in the middle of the field to take away the post. So the safety's the only one that probably can make the play, and he's gonna come from the middle of the field all the way. What is that? Is that boundary side or field side? That's field side, wasn't it? Let's see. 
ball was on was almost on the uh, the right hash. Okay, so boundary side. Yep. So the safety's having to come all the way to the boundary side from the middle of the field. All right. What other what other passing concepts you got here, man? As we get into hour two. Yeah. So <laughs> let, let me go ahead and throw the uh, the smash yeah. corner and the smash fade. ISO with the post wheel. What else do you need? Just <laughs> <laughs> run this every time. We got we got to take a look at the the smash corner and the smash fade here. All right, let's look at these two. This is the uh, this will be the fade. All right. Uh, this is the. Uh, so this, this, I mean, this is your two by two with the tight end um, at the bottom. Like I said, I mean that this is. This is the personnel that they're going to be in the most, um, and this is the formation that they'll probably use the most, um, kind of that two-by-two two with the tight end. Um, so let's, kind of let's look at the newer pro look, kind of because this is kind of a Garkowski out wide. Yeah. Pro, pro spread. Pro spread, yep. And like I said, a lot of the action is going to be – with that, uh, with that slot receiver. So we got that curl to the top. We got the we- the uh, fade route to the yep. slot. That's that's the kind of thing right there. So many people are getting into pattern reading. But the corner and the, they're looking at number two. And when that number two goes vertical, the safety's frozen. And it kills you. There it is. Look again. Look at that shallow cross again. Yeah. It brings that, that safety down. And the other safety, look at the other safety. I mean, yep. he's already 30 yards deep. He's on an island. <laughs> and he's on the he's opposite on the edge where the ball's going. Yep. Yeah, he's on the he's on boundary side and the play's field side. The shallow cross is a, even if even if he was on the right side, the shallow cross is open again. And is this going to be a little? Is this the curl route again, Brian, at the forty? Play it out. Let's see what he does. Well, he's getting held. No, no, that's an in. He's running a little in. Look at that. Yeah. So so they they're running the uh, the the smash fade to the top they're running kind of a drive with the dig and the um drag yeah to the uh to the bottom so even if that safety takes away the deep route in this this corner right here the 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 outside corner stays home with the little hitch there's two guys open as long as they're getting to their second or as long as they're getting to their third or their fourth read, the way this thing is set up is it's optimal spacing because you're getting such mismatches down there, which is wild. Well, again, you're 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 putting these safeties in very hell delicate he situations. Put, he is putting the safeties <laughs> in hell. Very delicate situations. Yeah. We got one more. How many we got left? We got we got, we got one more. Um it's the uh, the mesh mesh wheel. Right. Um, so let's let's take a look at that one. 
Hey, uh, I, I, as a defensive coach, I love a mesh. You've got to have some special cats that want to come in there and play with those linebackers like that. <laughs> but if you've got those cats, you can hurt some people with a mesh. All right, this is Oregon again. Third and six, top hash. All right, here we go. Is this trips? Or is there somebody up? I see the inland tight end. Race or twins. Yeah, I think there's another receiver up top. Okay. See. No, no, it's trips. Right. I see down here at the bottom. So this is your oh, yeah, inline. This is your in, this is your inline tight end look with the trips. Okay. Yep. Out of pistol. Out of pistol. All right. They are bringing it right here. They got people filling the gaps. They don't lay back. Yeah. And I mean, there's this gives you a lot of options as a quarterback of where you want to go. That was your primary is, your primary is going to be the the wheel. If if it's yeah. there, you're going to throw that. But where, my question is right there: Where is the corner? Ten is not the corner. They're they're in, they're in man. They're in man. Yeah, I think the other corner uh, went to the trip side. Yeah, they're they're in man coverage on this. There's they they're doing they're playing a single high. They just put a defensive end on the running back in a wheel. They should have got burned. <laughs> no, what else a linebacker or a strong safety? That guy's hands dirt, brother. No, 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 no. This guy. Uh, this guy right here. He's behind the DN. The DN, I believe, goes up field. They're trying to they're trying to blitz right here. No, he oh, stops no, oh, and my runs God. with the damn wheel. <laughs> the man with his hand on the ground stops and runs with the wheel. <laughs> Why would you do that? How long? I'll tell you. I tell, I tell you why. Yeah, now I understand. It's it's a zone blitz. Yeah. So I mean, this is a perfect offensive call against the zone blitz. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's terrible right there. Well, as soon as like right there, as soon as he hits the thirty yard line, which is the line of scrimmage, it's just like, oh, I got this. What? <laughs> You have 10 yeah, as soon as he saw a DN chasing that running back, he's like, yeah, I'm throwing it to I'm the running back. This now. <laughs> he couldn't throw it soon enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, boys, this has been so fun, so educational the last two hours and 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> for real, we probably could go another hour. I mean, I'm not even going to joke. Because oh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even talk about the trick plays. I <laughs> They, they run this thing where they they run this thing where they swap the uh, quarterback and running back, and they run a, a different a bunch of different RPO elements off of that. Holy God, Curtis! I so, thought you were going to talk to uh, Coach Holt and get into the special teams. <laughs> well, Next segment, you, Coach Holt's pops is just down the road from y'all, isn't he? He used to be. Oh, okay. 
they're they're originally from like the Starbound area out here. Okay. And uh um oh, what's his name? A B Hope? D B Hope? I don't know, it's his initials Hope. When when I first got to Rose and Greenville, he was the head coach at Rocky Mountain High School out there. Okay. And uh he's since retired there. He's one of the winningest coaches in North Carolina high school history. Really good dude. Uh, had some time out there, Edgecombe County, Rocky Mount, and those areas. I've 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 got to know him a little bit while we were out there. Very Heck of nice. a coach. Uh, so so. We, we kind of talked last week about recruiting and stuff, and you know you obviously have you know known Derek Jones. You talk about Holt, you talk about Glenn, who coached down in Carolina. Obviously, the Virginia stuff with Pry and JC. And um, and Fontel Mines, it's a it's a plan in place, and yes. I, I I look forward to more and more of it. But boys, it's late. Let's wrap this up, Robbie. We might have you back on in a few months after spring game to look at some things. So right. get get the uh, the whole of the ship there ready again. Get the board cleared off this time. We'll draw some stuff up. On <laughs> you talk about the coaches and the recruiting and all that stuff. One thing I want to bring up, I, I didn't think to bring it up earlier. Look at the defensive coaching staff that they brought in. Outside of Prelude's three years of coaching and Marv's eight, they're in another one on the defensive side of the ball with less than 20 years. It's true. It's very true, man. Very true. Yep. And some of those times have been together. So, very uh, true. The, the familiarity is going to be there. Yes, it is. All I'm right. Excited. Well, that's going to be fun to watch. Can't wait for it, man. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. That's Robbie Compton. That's Robbie Compton. Visit our website, BoundaryCornerVT.com, to listen to all of our episodes. While you're there, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube account, especially with this episode, so you can see those plays and some of the documents that Robbie had there from TSL. Um, Robbie with that yellow hat there, our buddy Brian Wilkerson, God rest his soul, definitely with us here tonight. So do not forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast source, Apple, Amazon, Spotify. As always, our buddy Jason Long, he plays us in, plays us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. Also check his YouTube account out, see him playing some covers. I for has he done anything lately? I feel like he's been slacking with all the snow. I want to say he's okay. gonna be. I think he put his first uh, farmers market appearance on the on the. Yes, docket. he is. Thank you for yeah. saying that. He's gonna be at a Grandin Farmers Market down in Roanoke. Go check him out there. As always, we thank Let's you. Don't for step listening. on his lawn because he's a ornery old man. <laughs> <laughs> we thank you for listening, and as always, let's go, Hokies. <laughs>